chapter 2, John, the second chapter, in verse number 23. John chapter 2, verse number 23. Amen. And we'll begin there this morning. I've mentioned this before, but when I, when I get a break um, and, and get to get away from what is a, a usually pretty uh, intense daily schedule and routine of, of teaching and, and, and ministry, and, and of course I enjoy it, don't misunderstand me, but it does afford me the opportunity to, to really spend some time before the Lord and to, and to meditate on things. And, and um, you know, there's been a lot of time, I'm, I'll never forget... Uh, Years ago, there, were, there was a whole series of sermons the Lord gave me when I had the opportunity to go and, and spend some time in, in Tulsa and, and, um, and at other occasions when I've, when I've been away, the Lord's really downloaded a lot of truth into my heart. And, and, um, and this was um, that same experience, but it wasn't on a different subject. It's, it's on the same subject. And, and for that matter, it's, it's on some of the same verses that we've already looked at. Um, you know, we'll never exhaust the depth of truth and wisdom that's in one verse in, in the Word of God. It, it is um, because His Word is alive, it's living, and, and, and it, the, the truth that's in it is as deep as God Himself. Um, and so I appreciate um, you receiving um, what it is I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us um, with a sense of, of urgency uh, this morning. And um, I believe that Father is, um, is longing to do uh, fresh things among us in our, in our individual lives and in our families and in and through our family of faith. And, and um, I really believe, and I, I know that I've said this and there's only so many ways you can say it, um, but I really do believe it, it, it comes down to this simple, simple thing of giving Him the place that He deserves in our lives. Um, and that breakthrough, um, breakthrough is, is being held back because of that, is being hindered because of us not giving him the place he deserves, and that as we give him that place, amen, um, we will begin to see things like we've never seen before, amen? All right, John chapter 2 and verse number 23, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. This, of course, is speaking of Jesus' miracles in Jerusalem. We don't know specifically what those miracles were, um, but we do know that they were undeniable. Um, we do know that um, many were attracted to Jesus because of the miracles that they had personally experienced, um, either in their own lives or witnessed taking place in the lives of other people. Um, perhaps it was these miracles that ultimately drew Nicodemus to Jesus in the next chapter, where you know, he comes and, and of his own testimony, he says that he knows God has to be with Jesus because no man could do what Jesus was doing, what Nicodemus had witnessed Jesus do unless God was with him. And so we see here that you know, we don't know the names of these people. We don't know really how many um, people we're actually talking about here, but just that there was a group that the Bible says uh, believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did, but Jesus did not reciprocate. He, he did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And, and, and what he's talking about here is not just that he knew their names, 
or that he knew what they were wearing or he knew what their occupations were, but he knew what, he knew what was in their heart. He knew the level of commitment that they were, at least at this point, uh, willing uh, to, to give to him or to commit to him. And so because of that, um, Jesus admit himself to them. Um, and this was not something that somebody else had told him, if you notice, uh, and had no need that anybody should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. In other words, it wasn't like the religious leaders, you know, said, hey, look, Jesus, you, you can't trust these folks. Just let, let, me, let me go ahead and let you know. They, they get all fired up about serving God, but they don't ever follow through in their commitments. I mean, we, we trusted this to them, and they, they, you know, didn't, wouldn't show up, and they weren't faithful. And it, was, it wasn't that anybody else had said things to Jesus that, that, um, you know, tainted his view of them. Uh, this was something that he knew by the Spirit of God. So this was something inside of Jesus that he knew about what was inside of them. Now, the Bible says we're being transformed from faith to faith. We're being transformed from faith to faith. And, and of course, what he's talking about here is one level or one degree of faith to the next level or to the next degree of faith as in, the, in the sense that we start at a place where, as Abraham did, where we're weak in faith, but as we continue to trust the Lord, as we continue to obey Him and, and, and step out, that we're transformed. We grow from faith to faith, increasing in faith, becoming stronger and stronger in faith. And so we could say that this, this is a, a place of beginning faith, um, where someone witnesses a miracle that Jesus does, which attracts them to Him, interests them, they become interested in Him, and, um, and this is something, of course, that can be built upon. This is not enough, okay? But it is a start. We see the same thing happen in John 8. In this case, it was, it was compassion that Jesus had on someone caught in the act of sin. It, it was Jesus putting religious bullies in their place. And again, people were attracted to him. But in that particular situation, Jesus says to those who believed in him, if you continue in my word, let me, I know... I'm not adding to, I'm just trying to help you see that Jesus is encouraging them to take the next step. And the next step is for them to not just give what he, they saw him do place in their lives, but for them to give what he says place in their lives, All right? Do you see the difference there? In other words, it's one thing for someone to be attracted to Jesus because he put a religious bully in his place or because he showed compassion to someone that they could relate to or because he did some amazing miracle that just astounded them, all right? Now, that means they had given him at least some measure of respect. They had given him some degree of honor. All of these words, respect, honor, um, glorify, um, all of these words are words that have at the heart of their definition giving Jesus a place in your life. Let me say it another way. When we talk about honoring Him, we're talking about assigning to Him a value where, where we would use the word esteem. Have you, have you ever heard that word? Like sometimes we talk about self-esteem. Um, notice self-esteem, self-worth. Um, it has to do 
Esteem has to do with the value that you place upon something, that you give to something. How many of you realize we can give value to things that really are not valuable? Or we can lightly esteem, lightly value things that are extremely valuable, that, that we should place a higher um, uh, valuation uh, estimation of in our lives. So when we're talking about giving God the place he deserves in your life, we're talking about not what he's really worth, but what he's worth to you. Not who he really is, but who he is to you. Amen. Because we've ultimately got to decide that for ourselves. I can't give him the place in your life he deserves no more than you can give him the place in my life he deserves. It's, it's ultimately my valuation, my uh, choice to either honor him or dishonor him, highly value him or lightly esteem, lightly value him. So we see that in this spectrum of honor, in this, in this spectrum of giving him place, they at least gave Jesus the honor, the respect, the, the recognition, the acknowledgement of putting religious bullies in their place, saying things they've never heard anybody else say, doing things they've never seen anybody else do. This is an opening of the door, so to speak. As a matter of fact, I, we see on other places, we won't turn there now, where Jesus actually would say to people, if you do not believe I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, at least believe based upon what you've seen and let's start from there and build on that. So it's not that these people are, are, are wrong or bad because this is all the place they're willing to give him at this point in time. It is the, the opening uh, and an opening in their hearts. And, and listen, I, because I know me and I know people and I've, I, I've worked uh, you know, with me and with the Lord, and I've worked with people for a, a long time. Um, I believe that these folks, um, maybe not all of them, but some of them, um, their hearts changed, and, and they were willing to make a deeper commitment. They were willing at, at some point in the future, as, as they meditated on it more, and as they heard more, and as they experienced more, that they were willing to give more and commit more. Um, to Jesus, to give him a higher level of evaluation, a higher level of, of esteem um, in their lives. But at least where they were at this moment in time, Jesus was not willing, and I believe ultimately even able, based upon their commitment to him, to commit himself to them. And, and we see that... Um, <laughs> This is in my notes. I said it last week. Let me say it again this week. Being impressed with Jesus is not the same as giving him the place he deserves. And I think that there are many folks today, even born again people, who are impressed with Jesus. We may even say like in our language that they're fans. They're a fan you know, of Jesus. But he, Jesus didn't come to this earth to try to create a fan club. He, he came to build a body. He came looking for people who wanted to have fellowship with him, who wanted to be one with him. And we see that these folks were not willing to make a commitment to him um, worthy of that. Remember, 
the backdrop that we looked at a few weeks back, um, Jesus said, if, if you're not willing to put, put me ahead of other people in your life, you're not worthy of me. And so again, I think these things fit in here as well. Once again, Jesus is not looking for people who will trust him only, but also for people that he can trust, people he can confide in, depend on, count on, to be there with him and for him. People who will follow through, people who will make fellowship with him a priority in their life, people who will give him the place he deserves in their life. Now, I got good news for you this morning. If you're not there yet, he's not going to stop loving you. If you're not willing to, to make a deeper commitment to him today than you were willing to make six months ago or six weeks ago or six days ago, that's okay. His love for you is not going to change. He's going to continue to draw you. He's going to continue to love you. He's going to continue to, 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 to speak you know, into your life and into your heart, hoping that you will uh, you know, make a deeper commitment. Be willing to open more of your heart and life to him and allow him um, access um, to these other places, right? Um, Jesus' ability to entrust himself to you is directly connected to the place you are willing to give him in your life. We can't, listen now, we can't, we're deceiving ourselves if we believe this isn't the case, if this isn't true. His willingness, his ability to entrust himself to you is directly connected to the place you're willing to give him in your life, how you honor him, how you value him, the, the, the priority that you place on a fellowship and, and, and walk in life with him. Now, don't, please, I'm asking you to bring your heart to attention this morning and hear what I'm trying to say and most importantly what the Holy Spirit is, is saying to us. Do, do not misunderstand me. Jesus is eternally committed to us. The Bible says that if we're not faithful to Him, what He is still faithful to us. And what we're talking about here doesn't, doesn't change that at all. But it's, it's how we respond to Him. It's, 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 it's our willingness to reciprocate that to Him. He's committed to you. That's not the problem. The problem is our commitment to Him. But our commitment to Him, our commitment to Him is directly connected to what He is able to entrust into our lives. I'm going to use this word commit in a way that we see it used in other places in Scripture, okay? So listen to me. The Bible says that there were things that God the Father committed to Jesus, okay? That means these are things that He entrusted into Jesus' care. He, he committed to Him. He entrusted Jesus with those things, okay? And we see that He, he entrusted those things to Jesus committed them to Jesus so that Jesus could in turn come and commit those things to you and me. He committed, let me just give you an example. He committed authority over this earth and created realm to Jesus. When Jesus came to this earth as, as a human being, God the Father committed to Jesus authority over this planet. We see that 
that this is how Jesus was able to walk on water and command storms and, 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 and all of these different things, right? He entrusted Jesus with that authority, with that responsibility. But he entrusted it, committed it to Jesus so that Jesus could then commit or entrust it to us. Who was it originally committed to and trusted to? It was originally committed to Adam. These were things that Adam was originally entrusted with. But Adam fell short. Sin causes us to fall short of the life that God created us to live. Jesus came as the second Adam, as the last Adam, right? The fountainhead of a new race to restore us. I love that, that song. All his words in that song could have had a really different story, but he came to earth to what restore me. It's not just a clever line. It's beautiful doctrine. Jesus came to restore us. He came to, if you will, recommit, re-entrust into our care the things that were originally committed and entrusted to Adam. So Jesus came to commit to us what the Father committed to Him. This is why we must commit ourselves, again, entrust ourselves to Jesus so that we can receive from Him what He was given by the Father to give to us. So when we talk about entrusting yourself to Jesus, I want you to see that, that this requires you giving Him the place He deserves in your life. Now, we're not going to go back to all the scriptures, but again, we see throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, where the Lord was able to entrust certain people with certain things that he was not able to entrust to others. Moses is a classic example from the Old Testament. Psalm 103 says that God made his ways known to Moses but his acts, A-C-T-S, his acts to the children of Israel. Do you see how that the children of Israel, they would, they would see what God did, but they never really saw behind the curtain. They never really knew the God that was behind the miracles that they were experiencing, miracles that they were witnessing. They just saw the acts of God, but they, they never understood the ways of God. But Moses, Moses, the Bible says, would fellowship with God as a, as a friend, face to face. And because of his commitment to God, God was able to entrust him with things that he was not able to entrust to other people. You say, well, that's not fair, Pastor Mark. Well, it's, first of all, the Bible says in Romans, be careful saying God's not fair because he is. But it would only be unfair, it would only be unfair if God did for one but refused to do for another who did the same thing that the one that he entrusted the things to him did. Are you following what I'm saying here? In other words, God is a just God. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Some people are rewarded more than others in this life and will be rewarded more than others in the life that is to come. God's not being unfair. He's being, he's being fair rewarding you and me for what we do for him and for the place that we give to Him in our lives. It would only be unfair if Bill gave, gave God a place in his life and God did something for Bill that he did not do for Matthew, even though Matthew gave him the same place in his life that Bill gave him. But I'm telling you, if, if, if we will give Him the place in our lives that He deserves, He will do for all of us what we see Him do for every person, that all the heroes of faith that we read about in the Scriptures. 
This is what the Bible says means when it says he's no respecter of persons. Thank you, Jesus. We see the disciples. Jesus called them friends. Their fellowship with him was on a different level than everyone else's. We're going to get into this in the, in the coming days, but you know, he tells them, if, if, he tells his disciples, if, if you'll do this, me and my father will come and make our abode with you. And even though I'm going away, you'll still see me and know me. And one of the disciples is like, I don't understand this, Jesus. How will we be able to see you and nobody else will? But again, he's talking about people who give him place will see things, spiritual things, that other folks are blinded to, that other folks will not be able to see. Last Sunday night, we talked about the 70. We don't know the names of these men and women. But we see that they had precious things committed to them. They had the anointing that was on Jesus, entrusted. Jesus entrusted them with that. He entrusted them with his name. He entrusted them with his word. He entrusted them with his message. He entrusted them with his kingdom. And then sent them out ahead of him. And they came back rejoicing. Because they were casting out devils in his name. They were healing sick people in his name. Jesus was able to entrust those 70 men and women with precious things from heaven. Thank you, Jesus. His ability to depend upon you is directly connected to your willingness to depend upon Him. His ability to depend upon you is directly connected to your willingness to depend upon Him. See, if, if we're putting our trust in other things then that does not make us a wise investment for God to entrust His precious things to. Do I have the right bunch this morning? Are you okay? Amen. 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 His ability to depend upon you is directly connected to your willingness to depend upon Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that, to keep what I have committed to him until that day. What is he saying here? We've, we've got to commit things to him if we are going to expect him to keep those things. See, I'm going back to something we've said early and often. There are so many people in the body of Christ who are wanting God to do things in their life. Even some are mad at God because He isn't doing things in their life that they want Him to do, that they need Him to do. But again, they're wanting Him to do things that they haven't given Him place to do. They wonder why things aren't working as they should be working. They wonder why things aren't, aren't, aren't coming to pass that, that should have already come to pass in their lives. And, and so, you know, obviously, you know, when I was in business, or it doesn't have to be something as big as a business. If something's not working as it should be working, 
a wise man gets before the Lord and, and wants to know why. Why, is th why are things not, not unfolding the way they should be unfolding? Why are things not developing the way they should be developing? Why are things not growing the way they should be growing? And it could be all kinds of different answers. Amen. I believe the answer that God is saying to us in this hour, that He is saying it to us with urgency, that the breakthroughs are not coming because we have not given Him place in our lives to bring breakthroughs to pass. See, we, we want Him to keep everything. We want Him to watch over everything. We want Him to take care of everything without committing everything to Him. According to this scripture, what is he able to keep? He's able to keep what you commit to him. Are you seeing this? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me, I'll finish right here this morning, but let me, I wrote some of this down last week. I guess I'm just, I'm wanting, I'm wanting this to be real to you. Amen. Have you ever, I'm going to just try to give this to you exactly where the Lord gave it to me, okay? Have you ever had someone take your place? Man, this one right here, and I'm a pretty easygoing guy, but I have to, I have to really steal myself because this has happened to me on, on a few occasions. Crowded parking lot. Somebody's getting in their car. You sit there with your blinker on waiting patiently for them to get all their children buckled in their, in their car seats and all their groceries and then for them to walk six miles back to the buggy corral and then walk six miles back to their car and... You've done listened to three songs and half a sermon on your iPod while you're waiting on them. And then they back out towards you and somebody whips in your place. Right? And you have to start praying in the Holy Ghost to keep from giving them a piece of your mind. Striping their car for them with the end of your key. All these carnal thoughts, right? Start coming up. Why? Because somebody took your place. How about a seat at a concert? You ever, you know, sometimes it, you know, reserve seating, football game, whatever, you go, you're. Your section 22, row 19, seat M. And you, you're already like, before you even get to your seat, you're like, man, somebody's in my seat. Somebody's in my place. How about your place at the table for dinner? Are you guys like our family? Everybody has their place where you always sit. Then you got a guest or somebody in the house and 
they don't realize that everybody has a certain place and they just go plop down in your place. And you're going, what's that little kid doing sitting in my place? You know, you, you try to be polite there, you know. My favorite is when, and I, I can almost feel some of you go, <gasps> you know, like when somebody comes in and they don't know and they sit right there, you know, that first place, you know. And it's like, you know, I can just almost feel some of you wanting to go tell them, get out of Pastor Mark's place, right? (laughs) How about this one? Have you ever walked into a room and all the places were taken? No place for you, no no chair for you, no, no seat for you. Met friends at a restaurant. But by the time you arrived, there was no seat at the table. No place for you because all the seats were already filled. Do you remember how that made you feel? Now I want you to imagine Jesus walking into your life this morning with his hands full of all kinds of good things for you, but the room that is your life is so full, there's no place for him to sit. Just bear with me for a moment. Imagine yourself now at the back of that room and you're watching all of this happen and you're like, do these people not know who he is? Are these people not even going to acknowledge that Jesus is here? Is nobody going to offer him a seat? I guess it was about a week before Bethany uh, gave birth. We, we tried to eat at Logan's one night, but it was, um, we'd been blessed with some gift cards and we were going to go. And it was really crowded. And, and uh, when I say we tried, we wound up just going somewhere quicker. But, um, you know, you remember when she was like this pregnant? Y'all remember that? Okay. And all these young guys sitting in all these seats and nobody, you know, I'm feeling myself, Wally. I'm like, dude, who raised you, man? You know what I'm saying? You got a woman here nine months pregnant and you, you're just going to sit there playing on your phone and not give her a place, right? You know? Of course, I'm her daddy, so, but still, amen. So you're at the back of the room and you're watching this. Jesus comes in and he's got treasures, precious things. Arms are full. Just walked into the room that is your life and every seat's taken. And you're just kind of sitting there watching it all. And, and this is kind of how the Lord showed it to me. And I'm like, isn't, seriously? Do, do, is not even, why even going to say how, howdy? Nobody's going to give him a place? 
And I started looking because I couldn't really see who these folks were. And I'm like looking closer and closer and closer. Now I want you to imagine that as you're in the back of the room watching all this unfold, as all these different people who've taken up all these seats that are, that are your life, as they begin to turn their faces towards you, you're looking into your own face. You're looking into your own face. In other words, you're in all those seats. The Holy Spirit walked me through this. I'm not trying to say it was a vision. That's just in my imagination, whatever you call a vision. I'm standing in the back of the room. He walks into this room. Nope, he's got all this stuff in his arms. I'm seeing this in my mind, in my imagination. Nobody wants to give him a seat, right? I'm like, why is nobody giving him a seat? Does anybody even care? Who are these people? And as I start looking, every, everyone that turns their face in my direction is me. It's me. I'm the one who won't give him the place. You're the one who won't give him the place. Wow. Singers and musicians, would you come please? I'm going to give you a little preview of what we're going to talk about tonight. The Bible said that when we as a human race refuse to give God the place he deserves in our lives, it was like a domino effect. But the deepest and most lasting effect of not giving him the place he deserves in our lives is the effect that that choice had and continues to have on our thinking. It says in Romans 1 that refusing to give him the place he deserves in our lives caused our thoughts to become futile. Futile means no matter how many ways you try it, how many ways you do it, it's never going to work out the way it was supposed to work out. Let, let, let's, let's simplify this even more. He's saying that a refusal on our part to give him the place in our lives he deserves puts us in a position to where we can never think the way we need to think to live the life that he created us to live. The simple answer in scripture is this, commit your works to the Lord. There's that word again, commit and trust, right? Give him the place. And what will be established? Your thoughts. Your thoughts will be established. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I came back from Dallas with a lot of things. But one of the most important ones is a, is a new commitment 
to preach what Father has placed on my heart, always speaking the truth in love, but to do it without fear. To do it without fear. I love you. I mean that. I'm, this isn't a game for me. This isn't something that I do because I couldn't do anything else. This is what I'm put in my mother's womb to do. It's to love and to serve the body of Christ. Amen. And my desire to have you love me back, thank you, Wally, is something the enemy at times tries to use to keep me from just saying things that need to be said the way they need to be said. And that was made abundantly clear to me this past week. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. That's not what this is about. We got to give him the place he deserves. You can have the most sound doctrine. You can quote scriptures. You can, you can have all of your truth ducks in a row. But if he's not Lord over it all. The Bible says it this way. Our traditions make his word ineffective. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for these beautiful people. Father, this is my company. These are my people, Father. Thank you, Lord, for them. Thank you, Father, for entrusting them to me and me to them. Father, help me be the pastor that this family of faith needs me to be. And Father, help us this morning to give you the place in our lives, in our families, in this church that you deserve. Father, we're wanting you to do in our government what we're not willing to let you do in our families. We're wanting you to take charge of things on a national level, Father. And we're not willing to give you charge of things on a local individual level. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus, see the futility of that thinking, the, the silliness of, of that kind of mindset. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would show us this morning what it is we have committed to you and what it is that we have not. What it is that we really have placed under your control and what it is, Father, that we still trying to control ourselves. May we give you place over it all, Father. May we give you place over it all.
Father, I pray that that little simple illustration of Jesus walking into the room of our hearts with all kinds of precious things for us and yet no place for Him to sit. And our faces ultimately being the ones occupying every chair. Lord, that you would burn that into us, that you would, you would impact us with that, Lord. How many times have we made plans, Lord, and haven't even bothered to ask you? How many times have, have we just done our own thing and asked you to bless it? And then got even mad at you when it blew up in our faces, Father. Teach us to give you place. Teach us to give you place. Teach us to give you place place that you deserve to honor you with the highest place, the highest seat, the best seat, the best place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing together this morning before we're dismissed.